Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi there. Welcome home. Thanks for joining us. We have a doing it at home classic episode for you today. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I just want to mention that anytime we broadcast a doing it at home classic episode, that meaning that it previously aired at a different date in time, that there could be things mentioned in the setup to the episode and the intro, the original intro or the conversation itself that are no longer relevant to the current time that you are listening to it. That might seem obvious, but I just wanna put that out there as a reminder that there could be links or programs or email addresses or something like that that are mentioned that are no longer active or relevant for the current time. And that goes for past episodes as well. As you are listening, you might be one of those people who's dipping in and out of timeline. Maybe you're listening to recent episodes and you're also going back and binging old ones. There's definitely going to be stuff in there that is no longer relevant and does not exist anymore or, or something like that. So I just wanted to put that out there for you as a preface, because in this one, we mentioned a couple of things like links to services we have within Be Her Village that are no longer there, no longer active. So if you go looking for that, it just won't be there. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Again, enjoy this week's episode. We'll catch you next week. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Hello and welcome home. Today's episode is titled, A Doula Learns About Fetal Ejection Reflex the Hard Way, with Caitlin McGrayus, founder of Be Her Village. Before we get into the episode, I want to give some listener love. I want to acknowledge a listener who dropped a recent review in Apple Podcasts, Jana Donnell 77 Thank you so much. The review reads, Awesome Resource. I'm so thankful for the Doing It at Home podcast. My husband and I planned for a home birth as soon as we found out we were pregnant. Unfortunately, baby had other ideas and a hospital transfer was medically necessary after over 24 hours of labor. The variety of birth stories that are featured on this podcast gave me confidence and peace when my birth plan suddenly shifted to baby's birth plan. I hope that our next birth, baby can safely arrive in our home. Until then, I look forward to hearing all the stories here. Every birthing person is so strong. I celebrate each and every new life that's brought into this world. Thank you for this safe space, Sarah and Matthew. 
Oh, such beautiful words. Thank you so much. So appreciated and truly honored that we could be a part of your process and your journey and your experience in some way. It's there's really no words for that. It when you think about it, I mean that people speak with us weekly about their births and then we share them on the podcast and then that doesn't even account for all the emails and messages that come through just sharing about others' experiences or just how this space and how the stories have impacted them. Again, I I come to an end of the road of words because it's just so big. It's so powerful. Uh, so it's, it's, it's incredibly humbling. Thank you again, Jana. Really really awesome. And if you feel so inspired to drop a review in Apple Podcasts, one, we love you. That's amazing. And two, it's very likely that it will be read on the show or highlighted in some way and shared in the community. So we thank you for that. And it's a great way for others to learn about your experience of the show. And let's see ways to connect with us further. Definitely subscribe to the show if you have not already. You can follow us on social media. You can check out our website, diahpodcast.com. We have our book available on Amazon. It's called Doing It at Home. You can get that paperback version and have it in your hands and take it with you wherever you go and mark it up. I'm a huge marker upper of books when I'm reading. There's just all in the margins and the underlines and the highlights. So feel free to do that as you think of things as you read along in the book. Let us know that you are reading. Snap a little photo and send it to us. I love seeing where Doing It at Home is out in the wild. And our merch, so much fun. Added some new stuff there recently, like our stickers and our water bottles. So you can get your little sticker that says have babies where you make them or meconium happens or birth magic or all the other things that we have there. And you can rep your doing it at home, your home birth swag, wherever you choose. So go check that out. All the links are in the show notes. Our conversation with Caitlin McGrayus today is Pretty amazing. I'm going to hit you with some of the highlight topics here. Caitlin's first birth was a hospital cesarean. Her second was a hospital VBAC, and her third was a home birth. So that's the birth that we share the most details about today and we get into. We talk about her doula work and how that influenced her own birthing choices. We talked about preparing for birth while you are pregnant, how important that time is. And we talk a little bit about Be Her Village, what Caitlin has created in the online registry for parents to get the things, the services that they really need over the stuff that we're typically inundated with at baby showers and such. So how can parents have access to their care providers, pre and postnatal um, help and support? It's a really cool creative way to get access to that sort of stuff. And when you go to Be Her Village and you sign up for a registry for yourself or you suggest a friend to sign up for their registry, doing it at home has services in there that can be contributed to. So go check that out because we have a profile there within Be Her Village. You can find doing it at home. So for you yourself, as you're setting up your registry or as you are looking at your friend's registry and they have doing it at home listed in there, you can select any of those services that you would like funding that you would like to be gifted into so that you can receive care that really works for you and is tailored to you. And that looks like our build your confidence in birth coaching or lifestyle coaching, other options there for you to check out that resonate with you. 
So, and all the links to Be Her Village and all the ways you can connect are in the show notes. Thank you so much to Caitlin. She has so much knowledge and so much energy to her. It's just, it's totally palpable through the mic. You just get all of the sense of that she's so passionate about what she's doing. And it was really a joy to speak with her. Quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll chat with Caitlin. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. It's amazing to be here. We are so excited. This is fantastic. We've been already having some great conversations. Mm -hmm. So, Caitlin, thanks again for joining us and doing it at home. Uh, it's my pleasure. Anytime I can talk about home birth, uh, sharing my story, talking about, you know, the whys and the hows and what it actually looks like and demystifying it. I just, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. I love, love what you guys have built, not just the podcast, but the community and the tools and, and, you know, that space for people who are just curious, right? We all sort of start out curious for yes. some reason. And you guys have just created this beautiful landing pad for all of us to come and find what we need. So mm. thank you for that. Mm. Yes. Mm, we received that. Thank you. Yes. And I feel like that theme of space is going to come up a lot in this conversation, just not only your story, but then, you know, your community as well, which we'll definitely get into in a little bit here. But I would love to just set the stage by you sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and kind of what you're up to, because it very much, you know, intertwines with your birth story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all sort of connected, right? It's hard to parse out like the personal and the professional mm -hmm. in this realm because we're all doing this for, you know, heart-led reasons. Yeah. Um, so I was actually a special ed teacher in New York City. And then I became a mother and I had this sort of abrupt entry, <laughs> this abrupt <laughs> landing, speaking of landing, uh, into motherhood. And I ended up having like this and I tried to have an out of hospital birth. That was my first attempt was my first birth. And I ended up having like this super medicalized birth that disempowered feelings ended in a C-section. So that was like, oof, that's not where I wanted to be. Um, I ended up having a wonderful VBAC and finding doula work through that VBAC because mm -hmm. I needed, just needed, it was like every cell in my body needed to work with mothers, needed to help people avoid what I felt and experienced the first time, not necessarily, not necessarily the C-section, but the, the feeling of being powerless and voiceless. I didn't want anyone else to have to go through that. Um, and after my VBAC, I became a doula. I really created a whole team, a whole practice. It was full-time work. It was really busy and really exciting. Um, and what I started to see in that doula work was that it wasn't me 
that had sort of failed or it wasn't me that didn't know enough or didn't have enough resources. And the reasons I struggled wasn't because I was not enough. It was because the system and the culture we've created around motherhood in our country failed me. And so my latest project, which sort of like has been born out of that is Be Her Village, which is a gift registry for support instead of stuff. Because what happened is I was like sitting there surrounded by all these things that people had bought me at my baby shower and I was alone and I was crying and I was struggling and I couldn't get my baby latched and I just like didn't know which way was up. And that feeling, once I started my dual work, I realized it's actually really, really common. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like, whoa hold on a second. It's one thing if I struggle, you know, but it's a whole other thing. If almost every single person who welcomes a baby into this world in our country is struggling in the exact same way, then there's something else that's Uh, going on here. And so the work that I do as a doula, the work that I'm doing with Be Her Village and trying to access, you know, support through our gift registry is all tied up in my experiences as a mother, as an, and really, as much as my birth story, and I can't wait to talk about my home birth story, <laughs> um, is really wrapped up in my experience as a mother who struggled yeah. and struggled a lot and struggled and continues to struggle in a lot of ways. Um, and so it, it, that's who I am. I guess it's like a really long intro, but that's who I am. I'm somebody who has been through various types of births, who has worked in the birth industry and hands-on as a doula and is now working to help make sure every single person who wants access to doula care and access to home birth and access to midwives and access to postpartum care and support has the funds to do so. Mm-hmm. Because I think every single one of us deserves that sort of support. That's powerful. Wow. And wow. you bring yes. such interesting perspective. And you said, you know, you mentioned you've had the hospital cesarean, you've had a hospital mm-hmm. VBAC, and you've had a home birth, and then you have yes. the doula work, and then you have the just sheer being a mother of three comes with <laughs> a lot, you know, of, of experiential in the trenches kind of stuff. And then with what you're continuing to create and how you're continuing to evolve and be of service and and create spaces and platforms. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to what, what Caitlin has to say. Like, <laughs> like if you just, if I just read <laughs> that stat sheet of someone, like, you know, your playing card, so yeah. to speak, in the birth world, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to hear what she's going to say. <laughs> Sorry, you're so awesome because I'm sitting here in awe of what you guys have built. And it really, I have to tell you, it feels good to hear you say that because you don't, I don't know if you feel it every day. I don't feel it every day. I wake up and I'm like, how do I move this forward? How do I help that next person? How do I get the message out? And it, it's hard to sort of take back that step back and like see the overview of what we've accomplished thus far, especially when you see how much work there is left. There's so many people that aren't being reached. There's so many people that are getting baby showers filled with stuff that are going to their OB appointments that are feeling disempowered, that have no education, that don't even people this is unbelievable, but like people don't know home birth still happens. Yeah. They think it's this like old timey thing and it's, it's actually, it's happening and it's happening and it's growing. And there's this sort of swelling of awakening surrounding it. And it's so exciting to be part of that. Um, I had, I had this sort of own sense about my, my home birth where I was, I was a little fearful or just sort of like, I didn't want to, 
converse or have dialogue with my family about it. It was just like, I didn't have room to explain my choices to anybody. Some people like really take it on, like they need to educate and, you know, and I was just like, I don't know how this is going to end up. It was my third birth. I kind of went into this birth knowing I could easily end up in a C-section because that's how sort of out of control we are (laughs) when it comes to our own births, or at least how I felt. And so I really kept quiet about my birth until I had a baby in my living room. We're sending pictures to everyone. And my husband is from Honduras. He was born here, but his family on both sides is from Honduras. And we were at a family event with all of his aunts and uncles. There's seven of them. And I sort of just like went out and thought I was going to say something kind of groundbreaking. I said, well, you know, I had Annabelle in my living room on purpose. And all of them went, yeah, I was born at home. Oh, yeah, I was born at home. Oh, yeah. No, I think we're we're all born at home. And then his mother, my mother-in-law chimes in and goes, Oh yeah, um, my I was born unassisted in the mountains because because wow. my mother went into labor and there just well, like wasn't anyone there to to they couldn't reach the mountains like where she lived and it just suddenly hit me that I had instead of doing something revolutionary or something new I had actually sort of closed the circle hmm. for my family line or for my children's family line yeah. my daughter now was born in the same way her grandmother was and her great, you know, grandparents. And it, it really was a return to something for me. And it felt really special um, that, 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 that was the case. And I think in so many ways, like that's why, why it's important what we're doing, because there, there's a way that birth has happened for centuries, for millennia. And the way it has happened has been within a community of support, with education, with not birth behind closed doors and locked maternity wards and sterile, you know, white situations. It's like white in more ways than one. It's like I'm thinking the white walls and sheets of a hospital, but when we can talk about race when it comes to home birth and maternity care system and racism. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's cool to be here and be talking about birth in that context of something that we are returning home to in a way. I love all that. I got goosebumps, especially when you talked about the, you know, coming full circle and the generational connection, all that, that very much. Oh, yeah, I got feels with that. <laughs> uh, okay, then when did home birth become something that you were looking into for yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. So this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, when I became a doula, and I'm putting air quotes for anybody who's just listening. Um, I didn't believe in home birth. So I thought that home birth, I was sort of like the person we're trying to reach now, or we are reaching now. Um, I thought that home birth was irresponsible. I thought that it was unsafe. I thought that if we have an entire highly, you know, medicalized, technologically advanced system of care, how dare somebody say no to that? And so, so entering, so my like feeling of home birth and that was two years later, I had a baby in my living room. So I had quite an evolution um, regarding that home birth started for me as a doula actually, before I had one myself and I was curious about it. I didn't understand the type of person that would choose it. I didn't understand what happened in one. And there was 100% some skepticism involved. Part of my doula work was non-judgmental. So just because I didn't understand it doesn't mean I couldn't support it. I was happy to support and a birthing woman or a birthing person is a birthing person. You know, it doesn't matter where they are. Yeah. Um, 
So when it came to making choices for myself, I might, I don't know, you guys might know better than me. I might not be the typical home birther because I wasn't like, let's, let's give birth without medical care. Like that wasn't, I didn't want a hands-off birth. I didn't want that. But the hospital, which was my only other option, because in New York, we have very, very, very limited birth options. We don't have birth centers. There's like one and it's subpar. Um, that's, that's blunt, but it's true. Um, and, and so if I was to have the birth that I wanted for my third birth, which was respectful care, uh, you know, evidence-based care, uh, autonomous right? Where I have a say and I get to dictate how it happens. And if my baby is separated and how I move and how I'm monitored and how people treat me, I had to be home. I had to be home because the hospital wanted me on an IV monitored, not in the water, not moving around. You know, they wanted all these things because I had a previous C-section and that first birth really sort of like put this mark on me that nobody would both physical, but also, you know, figurative of, I was not able to access low risk medical care in a medical setting Mm. for my birth. And so it sort of just became this place where it's like, okay, well, where can I go to get that care? And the answer was at home. And one thing um, that really like helped guide my decision on that was number one, doing the doula work and seeing that most of the things I was worried about, most of the big emergencies, the big, deep, dark fears that people have about birth are often caused by the medical interventions. (laughs) They're caused by the completely standard care that you're getting in hospitals. The other thing um, that I did was I did research. I mean, I think most people do. And I learned that midwives aren't like witches. People literally think they're witches sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're not coming in with like crystals. I mean, some of them are, but they're coming in with, you know, their holistic tools, but they also have a bag packed with stuff, packed with medicines and tools and equipment. And they have years of learning and skills. And it was like, oh, okay, this, this might be something that I can do um, that feels actually safer for me. And I think the, the final piece for me in, in that leap, and it felt like a leap to like, okay, how am I choosing this? How am I sort of choosing? Is I started looking at it as not giving up medical care. I figured if I choose to have a home birth, I might get a home birth. I might give birth in my living room or somewhere in my house. And if I choose a hospital birth, I'm definitely giving birth in the hospital. But if I choose home birth and something happens that I have to transition to the hospital or have a transfer, or if I change my mind, guess what? The epidural, the IVs, the monitors, the surgery, the whatever, the nurses and doctors and midwives are all there at the hospital. And in a lot of ways, I felt like I reframed it from home birth is giving up traditional medical care to home birth is reserving that as an option and adding an additional choice, which is a midwife coming to my home and I might end up giving birth in my living room. And I, I'm a big believer that successful home birth doesn't always end at home, right? Like you can have a hospital birth. I've supported beautiful, like life altering home, uh, home births that ended in a hospital room. And yeah, yeah. that's what home birth care often looks like is 
is just, it's adding an additional option for the birthing person. And I am all about adding choices and adding, right, like an option for somebody to choose for themselves. You know, with what you just said at the end of successful home birth can end in a hospital, we did some several interviews recently mm-hmm. where that was the topic of, or that was um, part of the story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the responses we have received from that interview was, thank you for talking about home birth in that way. That mm-hmm. yes, a home birth can be a success. Or can, you, can, you can consider it a success even if you end up giving birth in the hospital. Because what we were hearing is people were feeling like, well, I did all the prep for a home birth. I did 99% of it at the home birth. The baby just came out in the hospital. So did I have a hospital birth or did I have a home birth? I'm confused. I don't really know. And um, so I love that we just talked about that recently. And then here you are essentially saying the same thing, that you've supported so many successful home births that ended up where the baby came out in a different place other than home, mm-hmm. yet it was, this, it was still a successful home birth. I, I'm, I'm happy that you said that. Absolutely. You know, it's really like, it's not a radical thing to have a home birth. And I think that's really what it comes down to is that there's this feeling that it's like, we're going against the grain and we're going, we're doing something, we're giving up on like the mainstream culture. But the reality is if you sort of take a step back and go from the American birth world and take a larger view across the world, the world, the developed world has lower costs for healthcare and better outcomes. More women are successful in their births, they're they're successful in breastfeeding, they're supported in the postpartum, they have in-home postpartum care, they have automatic pelvic, they know what their pelvic floor is, and they're getting therapy for it during pregnancy and after, and they're surviving, their maternal maternal mortality rates are lower than ours and decreasing each year, Mm -hmm. while ours are going up. So what is the difference? Why is America killing more mothers and losing more mothers and becoming more dangerous, even though we're spending more money than these other countries. And the answer is midwives. And the answer is giving birth in a lower risk environment, whether it's a birth center, a maternal care center, home, or a hospital run by midwives. It is, that's, that's like the answer everyone seems to be looking for, but it's kind of right in front of us. Mm-hmm. It is a completely different model of care. And so Part of, I think, the work that's so important that you guys are doing and what we're trying to do with Be Her Village is like, this is normal everywhere else, Mm -hmm. everywhere else. They have access to education. They have access to care providers and lots of choices about where they give birth. And it's not such an emergency, right? It's like there isn't this fear that's sort of pervasive in our culture. Um, And so, yeah, like home birth doesn't have to be radical. It doesn't have to be people who are, who don't want care. It can just be someone who thinks, "Eh, let me, let me just try it out. You know, Mm -hmm. there's this other thing too, that, that helped me decide that home birth was right for me. And that was during my VBAC, I had an unmedicated VBAC and it was, it was this like beautiful spiritual experience, totally different from my home birth. (laughs) You'd think the home birth, but, um, And I labored at home and I had a very supportive VBAC supportive OBGYN and she kept, we were on in-phone contact and she kept saying, okay, don't come in yet. Don't come in yet. Okay. Don't come in yet. Like just if you, and I was like, I need to come in. 
I had made a slight calculation error with my contraction timer. I was actually a lot further along than I knew. Um, And I remember her saying to my husband, like, if she comes in, I might send her home, which at the time felt supportive because, and it was supportive in the best way she could be. But the way she was supporting me in getting my feedback was by telling me to stay away from the hospital. (laughs) Do not come here because I know what's going to happen. And what ended up happening with that birth is I went in, my doula came to my house, we immediately went to the car and I had like six contractions between my bedroom and the car. It was, I was rocking and rolling. And I got to the hospital and I had the baby under an hour after I got into that hospital room. And I had no idea. I, I, you know, labor la la land. I can't tell where I am (laughs) in the labyrinth of labor. Um, And when I was thinking about my home birth, I was thinking, you know, my doctor, I had no medical care during that labor. None. Nobody took up blood pressure. Nobody had eyes on me. Nobody checked me. Nobody examined me or assessed me. There was just nobody listened to the baby. There was no care. Yeah. So how much worse could it be to invite a highly skilled midwife into my home to sit and labor in a room with me one-on-one? In many ways, home birth felt a lot safer because I had that personal care. I had somebody dedicated only to me. They weren't sitting at a nurse's desk mm-hmm. watching the contraction monitor as if that gives you any information at all. Um, I think this is the right crowd to say that too, right? It's like (laughs) those monitors, it's debatable, quite debatable, whether that actually gives any information at all about the health of the baby or the mother and how the labor is going. And so it really felt for me like a no brainer to just sort of like, okay, well, let me invite a midwife in and she can come and and I can get the care. And if we need more care, we'll go to a different location. Um, But in many ways, it felt like the safest thing that I could do for myself in a system that had already failed me mm. in a really big way. Wow. Dropping some gems here. <laughs> uh, there's Okay, there's a lot of things I want to touch back on. Um, <laughs> I'll kind of go in reverse order from what you were sharing. You talked about care in other countries and around the world. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just talking with one of my cousins who's my other cousin had a baby in Germany. And told us that she's getting two years of leave, Mm -hmm. two years of leave. And so, you know, you think about the way that other countries, other cultures, and, you know, you said developed world, this is in Germany, the the respect and the care that they have for mothers and how it is a top-down thing, you know, for for a two-year or even one-year or whatever type of leave for that to be the norm Mm -hmm. is, is a beautiful amazing thing and um you know we just aren't aren't seeing that very widespread at least to my knowledge here in the states and so you know mothers and fathers and families are therefore needing to advocate for themselves and ask and push a little bit more Um, but just wanted to that came up for me as you were talking about the state of of maternal care in other countries i would like to to touch on that as well and sort of expand that thought it's not that we're kind of not doing it. It's that we aren't Mm. doing it. The United States is so far behind when it comes to our treatment of mothers. And it's completely backwards, right? Because we're sort of taught as Americans, like we're Americans, America, you know, like it feels good to be an American. We should be proud of being Americans. We should be the top. We should be the leader. We should be the best. And we aren't. We aren't by a long shot. 
we have the most women dying in their childbirthing year. We have no in-home postpartum care, none. Every other developed country has guaranteed in-home postpartum care. So somebody has come into your home and they're helping you take care of yourself. They're teaching you how to take care of the baby. You have medically trained eyes on you. And those two facts are actually directly linked. And it's part of like what makes me a little ragey and like why I'm doing the work with Fear Village because the maternal mortality rate, when I talk about that, and it's uncomfortable to talk about because nobody wants to think about women dying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally the worst thing, right? But we have to talk about it because it's happening and we're, we're trying to make it not happen as much, right? So when I think, before I got educated on it, when I thought about women dying, maternal mortality, childbearing year, I thought it was when they were pregnant. I thought it was when they were giving birth. I thought it was like when they were at the hospital. You know, you think those sort of like crisis times. Mm -hmm. Do you know that over 50% of maternal mortality, people that are dying in their childbirthing year are dying between their leaving the hospital and their six-week visit? Mm. Because you go from monthly visits or every six weeks to monthly to biweekly or, you know, every two weeks weekly and then you're monitored constantly obsessively it's almost like the baby's monitored during labor and then you get a good hour of recovery and then you know you get a day or two in the hospital and you get sent on your way and there's not another point of contact with a medical provider for six weeks Mm -hmm. and you are in so much risk there's possibility for risk and I say this um it's such a delicate thing to say because it's a home birth podcast and I hate all of the fear mongering that happens in the maternal health, you know, world. But we also have to talk about the reality of like, it's birth isn't dangerous. And that's why you shouldn't do it at home. Birth is dangerous in hospitals and birth is dangerous in our current way of like over medicalizing it for a little while and then sending people on their way and totally ignoring them. Mm -hmm. And so you have this country where all the developed countries have paid maternity maternity care. Women are paid to stay home with their babies. Parents, fathers are paid to stay home with their babies. There's an emphasis on family and attachment and recovery. And you have midwives and home births and out of hospital births, and you have in-home postpartum care, and you have lactation support, and you have pelvic floor is automatic in these countries, pelvic floor therapy and pelvic floor groups. I was on the phone with somebody who wanted to like start like a Be Her Village Switzerland division. And she was, she's an American that like married a Swiss guy and they're living there now. And she said, you know, that between leaving the hospital and the six week visit, I get 16 home visits by a midwife, Wow, 16 visits. And then at the last one, she writes a script to go to pelvic floor therapy and me and a bunch of women lay on our backs in a circle in a room and like lift our pelvises. Like, so there's community to it too. There's just so much. And in the United States, women are left alone after birth. We're loading people up with thousands of dollars of baby crap because these big box retailers have convinced people that this is what you need to be a good mother. And it's not. It's horrible. And then we're completely leaving them by themselves. And, and we don't have support built in for mothers, not in like a cultural way and not in a, in a systemic way right. either. And it's really problematic. And, and on the cultural side of things as well, I mean, we've heard stories where 
mothers are experiencing things after their birth. They're, they're experiencing feeling depressed or feeling just off in their bodies and their emotions. And a lot of the culture for coming from other mothers and people around them is, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's just, it's just kind of the normal thing. Like, don't talk about it. You'll, you'll get over it. You'll be okay. And then that keeps people from sharing and asking for help and, mm. and saying, well, maybe this isn't the norm. And it just kind of, it, it continues the ripple and the, the cycle just continues. And um, absolutely, this is, I, I appreciate you bringing all of this, these things up um, because this, this is important to talk about and to, to prepare for, you know, I think about with our postpartum, you know, we had visits the, the weeks after we had a number of visits from um, our midwife and her practice. And then we had very, very strong community. Yeah. And you mentioned that earlier today when we were talking, like the community support that, that we created around ourselves was just phenomenal. And then there you are talking, um, Caitlin, about Switzerland, the postpartum visits and the community aspect. So those seem to be elements that can definitely have a huge impact postpartum. Absolutely. It's not supposed to be done alone. And it's not supposed to be like you, to your point, it's not supposed to be this hard. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be a little hard. And like you figure out breastfeeding and birth is what it is, but like, it's not supposed to be where mothers are suffering. And it's sort of become such a norm in our country that women are so unsupported that they're suffering. Their postpartum mood and anxiety rates are through the roof. It's like one in two people, I think, are going to, and I think that's underreported. I think in our country, it's almost like the standard to to have a mood disorder, to feel anxious or have something like that. Um, And it's, it's become the norm that we just sort of like doctors and and professionals will dismiss you. It's like, well, yeah, this is hard. Well, you chose to become a mother. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, I wanted to like have a baby with the person I loved that I shouldn't be punished for that. We should be prioritizing families and welcoming this next generation and nourishing people as they're going through this incredibly transformative event. Mm. Did you have other points, Matthew? I know you were like reared up and everything from, or do you remember them? Did you write? Cause <laughs> I you got on one oh, yeah. point. Was there another one that um, you wanted to bring up? Yeah. Caitlin. So yeah. what's really fascinating I find about your story is that when you were a doula, you mentioned how you just thought home birth was so irresponsible. Irresponsible, mm-hmm. and one of the words that I picked up, whether or not you said it, was the word air, was arrogant. Like irresponsible, and it's arrogant for you to not accept that care in the hospital. And Yes, how dare you? How yeah. dare you, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I have a question so much as I'm just like pondering that, that, that whole 180 that you have experienced. And I'm just, I'm curious, like was it, when you started exploring how you wanted to have your third birth and looking at, okay, well, these are the things that I, I want to experience. And so maybe home is the best place for me. Like, was that sort of the, the point where you started to challenge some of the conceptions you had about home birth or was, was there an, a different trigger that had you really examining and looking at those things? Because there's a lot of people who I felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we were choosing, like looking at our options that I decided to look at home birth in a different way. So I'm kind of curious for you, what was that sort of turning point to go from very, you know, one side of the, of the, of the spectrum and come all the way to the other side? 
I think it's such a good question. And I mean, we could talk about this for a long time because there's so much to it. The thing that comes to mind for me, because I've made 180s, I'm like thinking, I'm thinking about other areas of my life. Like I've made 180s on a lot of topics. And I think part of it is that I get new information mm-hmm. and I'm not going to just sort of stay stagnant in my beliefs, because I believe like also believing in home birth is ridiculous. Like it it exists. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But it's not for me to believe in it for it to be real. Um, But I think a a lot of my, like my attitude totally. And like, you know, it's this sort of like ego work too. It's like, I thought I could judge like what, what was right and wrong for another person. So much of my doula work was learning to decenter myself, learning how the one universal thing that I know, and I see not just in birth, but with vaccines and masks and COVID and this incredibly divided nation is that every single one of us, like every single one of us is trying to do the best that we can. And that looks really different depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. And so there was this like empathy factor that happened as I became a doula where it was like, oh, they're not choosing that because they're, you know, because they're a bad person or because they want to disagree with me or because they're going against the norm. It's just, that is like the way that they're getting their need met and that's their best, best path forward. Um, And so that helps sort of soften me from Mm -hmm. there is one right and one wrong to, oh, there's, so many rights. It's really what's right for you is different from what's right for me. The other side of it is that there was like, there was definitely like a savior thing I had, you know, like I became a dual to like save people from my own birth. And what I started seeing was like, number one, it wasn't enough. Like it wasn't enough to want to save people. It wasn't my job to save people, but like the hospital system is built. No one doula can rescue a person. The the system is built to sort of systematically break down your autonomy and break down your voice and, and make you fit into a box and make you fit into like, there's an actual, I was talking about this at dinner with my mom last night. There's like one of the hospitals on Long Island, like has an actual chart on the wall of if they've been in labor at this centimeter for this many hours, this is the intervention. Yeah. Wow. Like that's not how birth works. And so I think part of it, like this isn't maybe, maybe this isn't the most clear answer of what you were looking for, but it's sort of just like this, all these things of just seeing it and recognizing that there's, there's just so many truths and there's so many things at play, both like emotionally for people and what feels right for them. And then there's this system that is just so much bigger than than we think the forces at work are so much bigger than we think. I remember um, watching Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's business of being born. And I remember watching it when I was pregnant with my first and I was horrified, Mm -hmm. horrified at what I was seeing horrified. And I also had this again, arrogance myself of like, Oh, that won't happen to me. Mm -hmm. I can tell people to go themselves. Like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need a doula. I don't need this. I could tell them I'm outspoken. And then I, and then I got, I got like systematically stripped of my power within 45 seconds of stepping into the hospital. So maybe I, maybe I needed like a Mm. check there of my own abilities to advocate. 
And I remember watching it again after a few years of doula work of really hands-on, like doing five births, 10 births a month of just hands-on being in the hospital system, deeply engrossed in it. And I watched it again and I thought to myself, Ooh, they don't even scratch the surface. They're not even actually telling the story. And it was jarring for me just how much I had seen about how the system works for itself. It works to reduce liability. It works to improve only the outcomes they're looking to improve. And there is just a complete neglect of the emotional experience of giving birth, of the spiritual and physical and emotional connection, and of basic autonomy for birthing people and partners and women. It's just it's lacking that we, the system doesn't care, you know? And so I think part of it too, is like, I don't want to go into my birth. When I was thinking about my third birth, I don't want to go in fighting. Yeah. I know too much now. I know what I want. I know how I want to be treated, but I also know that I want to disappear into the stars. That's how I call my second birth. I went to the stars. I was just in this beautiful spiritual place. And I was working within my body. I, I swear to God, I don't remember feeling pain. My husband, on the other hand, was like, you were screaming at the top of your lungs at everybody in the room. I'm like, that's because they were annoying me. But like, <laughs> but I don't remember feeling pain. I remember feeling intense pressure and surges and waves and power and primal. I felt incredible, but I don't, I didn't feel pain. And I wanted to go to that place again. And I knew the only way to get there was to do it on my own space in my own home with only the people I invited on my own terms. And so that looked like home birth for me. Mm. Ooh, what a what a great can to open up and talk about and like <laughs> let all this stuff out because it's, you know, on the one hand, I think it's easy to get very frustrated about the system and frustrated about how things have come about mm-hmm. and, you know, like just angry at it all. And and then on the other hand, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a sense of empowerment of when you know sort of what's going on. And we talk so much in this podcast about empowering yourself and as a, as, a, as a mother, as a birthing person, and as a partner to be an advocate for what you and your partner want to create. And so, because there are people on here who are gonna end up in the hospital. And so, you know, it's, that's, that's reality. And yes, you might have these factors of the system at play and yes they might want to take away your autonomy and decision making and at the same time after listening to a conversation like this you're now more equipped you're aware and with that awareness you can do something about it and you can have conversations with your midwife you can have conversations with your doula you can prepare your birth vision and have people who are going to be there to support and advocate you in your birth vision so that you can have that incredible birth experience wherever you are. And so I think it's yeah. conversations like this that help people to understand what are some of the factors that um, are at play with the system and things like that. And then also, okay, cool, knowing that landscape, how can we equip ourselves to to enter that landscape and feel confident and feel clear and advocate and do everything we possibly can to create the outcome we want. And, and I love that because to me, that's what empowerment is. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. you feel like you have options, you feel um, equipped in your tools, you feel supported, you feel clear, and, and you can go forth and experience things. And, and um, so I just think that's amazing. And I love that we spent so much time talking about this right now. 
Thank you. I, I feel like I'm going on and on about this. We haven't even gotten to the birth pool yet, but, <laughs> but, but you know what it is like, and this is what I always say to people. Like, I think there's a lot of focus on like what the labor will feel like and what the contractions will be like and how we handle the pain and the waves and the whatever language you want to use. But I always tell the people I'm working with, the work of labor is done during pregnancy. It's when you're listening to podcasts like this. It's when you're researching what actually happens in a hospital. It's when you line up your support team. That is how you prepare so that you can show up and be present only for your labor the day of. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're going to dive into that birth pool here in a second. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk birthing time. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Okay, so hit us with this home birth story. Let, let's have it. <laughs> All right. So when you, when you guys ask me, what's the headline? The headline is, doula learns what fetal ejection reflex is the hard way. All right. <laughs> oh the hard way. That's what All right. Like the hard way. So here's my birth story. Like every, I watched all these YouTube videos. I was trying to prep my kids. I thought maybe my kids would be there. No, I don't labor well with my kids around. Mm. I watched all these women like in a tub, like barely moving and moaning and like all of a sudden a baby like emerges. My birth was the opposite of that. Um, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. My baby was screaming. My baby like came out of the water and like broke from the water and was screaming at the top for <laughs> like oh, wow. one of the reasons people like choose water birth. I remember learning about it. It's like, oh, the baby doesn't even know they're born. <laughs> you know, they're it's such a gentle transition. And my daughter was like, I am born and I am angry. <laughs> <laughs> but it really suits her personality. Um yeah, so I had this this thing happens, right? So we sort of just had this whole conversation and I sort of had my doula hat on, you know. When you're pregnant yourself, or at least for me, I can only speak for me, right? When I'm pregnant myself and when I'm giving birth myself, I am not a doula. I have never seen a birth before because it's not the same role, you know? Like giving birth yourself is so different from being somebody who knows what birth is. So my midwife was somebody I had worked with before and I was... I had this like pretty fast labor, right? It like started the same as my VBAC labor, which was 21 hours. Mm-hmm. Started by like a tiny little contraction in the darkness of like 6 a.m. Waking up my husband. I think today's the day, you know, it's like so exciting. Um, and that was basically where the similarities ended. <laughs> so, so I was expecting to have this like lovely, drawn out, spiritual, calm, you know, you can't even tell them birthing sort of a home birth. And instead, it went from like tiny little Braxton Hicks with like a little pinch at the peak to moaning through the contractions like an hour later. And my husband, unbelievably, it's like he was so spot on. He looked at me and he was like running around the house like a chicken with his head cut off. And I looked at him. I was like annoyed. I get annoyed with people when I'm in labor. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you running around like that? And he just looks at me and he goes, 
you sound like you did four hours before Julian was born. And he said that she was born almost four hours to the minute. Like oh, it was wow. he knew. spot on. I was just in that birthing time. Um, so I didn't, I, again, didn't have my doula hat on. If you're listening to this and you have a midwife or a doula, do not text them that you're in labor. So I texted my midwife that I was in labor. <laughs> By the way, I'm definitely in labor. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. So, so ridiculous. Um, and I was like, don't come. I don't want to bother you. I get very like people pleasing, I guess. I don't want to bother you. Don't come. I don't want you to like spend your whole day with me. And then I had like this wave that was like, there's always like one big wave that sort of like shifts everything. And you know, you're in a whole new place. And and I called her or I texted no, I still was texting. I texted her and I said, oh, maybe you should stop by just to check in on me before you go do your day. And she said, I'm already in the car. She, she came on her own. The baby was born two hours after she came. So thank God for that. So she never um, heard so you. I was laboring. Oh, sorry. So she, she came just because of like, what was it that, that prompted her to come? Because she didn't actually hear you on the phone, correct? Didn't hear me on the phone. Um, she came because she's a smart woman, yes. <laughs> knew so much more than I did. Like in retrospect, I had a six hour, it was sub six hour labor. I was expecting a 22 hour labor. Cause that's what I got yeah. with my first 21, 22 hours. Yeah. And I didn't have like the, pers- it's so interesting. Like as an intellectual doula, like outsider, I could see how everything unfolded in it though. Absolutely no perspective. So I'm texting her. As a third-time mom, as a second-time vaginal birth, that my contractions are three to five minutes apart and lasting a minute. And she's jumping in her car because that's exactly what she should be doing. And I'm thinking, I don't think you should come. Like, this is going to be at midnight. I'll need you. You know, like, I just no perspective. So she was smart enough to sort of recognize the fact that I was in contact with her at all was big. And then the things I was saying in my contact. And there was also like, no, there wasn't any question. I wasn't texting her like, I might be in labor. Like my first text to her was like, I'm in labor. This is what's happening. There was no if, ends, or but about it. I just sort of knew. Um, So she came. I was still, there's pictures up until 20 minutes before the baby came was in my arms of me with a glass of water. And I can find it, send it to you guys, of me with a glass of water, like in a doorway, smiling, because it was in between. When the waves would come, they kind of annoyed me because I love my midwife. So it was like my midwife, my mom, and my husband. And we were all in my bedroom talking. And you could tell I love to talk. So I was talking. And then a wave would come and I'd have to be like, hold on. And I would, I'd be on the ball and I'd put my head down and I would moan. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like the baby's coming out. And then I would come back up and like, keep talking. And every four minutes, like, oh, I have to do this again. It was like very interesting. I never got into like that spiritual space because mm-hmm. I was just having such a fun date with my friend. Um, and then there was this shift. Oh my God, there was a shift. I was in the hallway and they had been coming and like minute long contractions, but there's a cadence to labor. There's a cadence to birth. And and that's what really, for me, makes it manageable because it's so predictable. You just sort of know you're going to get rest and you know what's coming and you feel it build and you can trust, you can just always trust that you'll get to the other side. Um, And then there was this wave that came where like, where I would trust that it was going to let up. It didn't let up. And she, I felt her like moving down. I was like, oh, it's still going, you know? She's like, okay. And I'm like, I have to poop. And she's like, 
yeah, it's you don't have to poop. I'm like, I have no, I have to poop. I swear it's poop. Like again, not if I was a duel, I'm like, oh cool, the baby's head is there. So I felt like I had to poop. Oh, I just have to poop. And so, you know, went to try to poop and like it, there was no poop because it was baby head. And the most interesting thing happened to me where I was in my bedroom and now the waves are crashing again and again and again. And there was no break. There was a little break, but it was like to catch my breath and then it started again. And then there's this stage of labor that people don't talk about a lot. And it's that stage in between fully dilated and pushing. And it's that like restful phase that you get. So I was wave after wave after wave after wave. And then I looked up and I saw my husband. I said, close every blind in the house and get in the pool. Mm. And I just, it was like, it's like textbook stuff, but it's so weird when it's you saying it. I had this deep like privacy need, but I knew I needed to get to the pool. And so I, the contraction stopped and I made my way to the pool. And then I, there's this like picture that I was telling you about that's on orgasmic birth. I will also share with you. That's like me looking up, kneeling in the pool, no waves, just sort of catching my breath. And immediately after that picture was taken, I heard screaming. And what happened was I realized suddenly that I was actually over the edge of the pool and the screaming was coming from me. <laughs> like there was wow. like this, this thing happened where she started barreling out of my body, barreling out of my body. And I feel like if we're going to talk about home birth, this might sound scary, but like if I had known to expect it, it would have been slightly less scary, but she started barreling. Like my body was just pushing her out. I had nothing to do with it. And I could have easily had her in that one contraction. And I was screaming because it was a very interesting sensation. And my midwife did what midwives do. And was like, Kayla, focus. Mm. You've got this, right? Like just breathe, quiet your mind. You can do this. And she just brought me into this place of like, yep, no, the fear, you know, you sort of like it's here and then it passes. And then I had like four more contractions and people always talk about, you know, pushing your baby out, pushing your baby out. And I actively with each of them was holding her back. It was the strangest sensation, but she was trying very hard to come into this world. And I did not want to tear because I tore with my bee back. And so I was just, it was an amazing experience to sort of be able to feel her come and to hold her back with whatever, I don't know even like what muscles, but you just do it. And she sort of found her way. And this last contraction, my baby is like eject. This happened with the feedback too. They just, they go from like, you you can see the tiny top of their head to born. Mm. There's no like easing of the head or rotating or it's an ear and where's the posterior shoulder? Like, no, there's no baby. And then there's a baby. And it was the most wild experience to have this baby in my arms six hours after I started labor and like 20 minutes before I was laughing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just an incredible, incredible journey. And what I find most interesting about it is that like from the outside, it was textbook. Mm -hmm. It was classic. It was beginning waves and middle waves. And I had all the signs of like the heel lift at six centimeters and the baby's head making me feel like I have to poop and wanting privacy and wanting to get in the pool And yet my emotional journey through it was wild and completely different from what the external experience was for the other people in the room. Wow. (sighs) Well, hot damn. You're an amazing storyteller. (laughs) Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. I I appreciate how you can you can bring it all in too when you talk about it. I very much get that it was your experience and there's that personal connection to it, obviously, but then you also have the eye of a doula and that training and that experience. So you can also, you can like, wait, let me take this part out and I'm going to highlight this for you and I'm going to tell you about this and I'm going to make this a little, um, you know, blurb and learning lesson here and oh, like be aware of this. So I love how there's that combination of it being very much your story, but then one you can also take yourself out of to an extent and use as a learning tool um, for, for others. And it's just that it's done with humor and candor and the realness of it. And then, you know, that there is all levels of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social, you know, connection to, to the birthing process. It's just super amazing. We should hang out more often, Sarah. You're making me feel really good. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's do it. Um, well, we're going to, in a sense, because I think this is a good segue to some of the connection that we've recently had around our synchronicities and our communities and things. And so I would love for you to share for a couple of minutes as we wrap up here around Be Her Village. Absolutely. Yeah. So Be Her Village is basically my my response to the current state of maternal health care, mm-hmm. right? I loved being a doula. I'm not an active practicing doula anymore. I loved working hands-on with families. I loved attending births. I mean, it was the most special thing. I would want to pinch myself, like, look at how lucky I am to live this life, to be called in to these moments. It was, it was incredible, but I also felt like, okay, I helped 50 people this year, you know, like there's so much more work that needs to be done. And I was I was sitting there thinking, okay, so I, I want to transition from doula work and I want to be impactful, but I don't want to do what anybody else is doing. Right. Because I think that each of us, and it's so cool to be on here with you guys, because you're doing it too. Like every one of us has our own gift and our own, our own way of like all working towards the exact same thing, which is supported parents, which is motherhood being easier, which is our kids having a better world to live in, right? Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you take away metrics and, you know, views and money and all these other factors. It's like, at the end of the day, we're showing up day in day out to do that thing. And I wanted to sort of add in my own thing that I could do for that. And so I thought, how, what is the what is the issue, right? Like I was literally, I was driving up to Albany, the capital of New York, to lobby politicians for like midwives. It was a lobby day for a midwife group. It was the first time I have three young kids. First time I was in the car alone for a three hour stretch. So I had all all the time for thinking. I could hear my own (laughs) thoughts. And I thought to myself, what, what is the issue? Why can't, why can't every single person that wants this access it? Why is it only some people? And the answer, and it's so uncomfortable, is money. It's just uncomfortable. It's like the fact is some people have it, some people don't. And insurance isn't covering the supports that we all deserve. And some of us are being left behind and some of us are fine. And it's like, it really depends on a lot of things. We wouldn't really get into it, but like the racism that exists in the system is a really big part of it. And I fully support and want people that are working on this to use Be Her Village as part of their anti-racist work. It's one of our values as a company, but it's also about access to money. It's, it's, a, it's a has and has not sort of thing. And I, I thought to myself, well, okay. I'm going up to lobby politicians. I could probably be a politician. I plan to at some point, right? I could I could run for something. 
But the much more expedient route would be to access the money that already exists. So where are we spending money on mothers? The baby shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. $3,000 a baby shower, easy for each baby. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy, easy. And what you have is you have parents then being totally overwhelmed with stuff yeah. and they don't have access to basic, basic support, lactation support, postpartum care, midwives, doulas, childbirth education. It's just not within their reach. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I created a platform, Be Her Village, where people can create a gift registry for support. They connect their bank account and their friends and family come to our website as if like it's target.com or amazon.com and they click on the thing that they want to fund for you, whether it's a doula or a community like yours or access to an app or classes or whatever it is, like whatever the thing is that they want to help make their experience better, they add that to their registry. And then their friends and family, instead of gifting them a bunch of crap that they don't need, I'm going to be blunt. they, They gift them the funds for the support that will be useful and impactful the day of and in those moments and also for the rest of their lives because the way we're made to feel in those moments just it's long lasting Mm -hmm. um and so i set out to do this with no tech experience (laughs) no marketing experience with no sales experience i was a special ed teacher and a doula and someone who just like cared a whole lot um and so i still sometimes i'm not totally sure how we did it but we did i i just talked to every single person about what I wanted. I had a really clear vision for what, and still have a really clear vision for what this can be. This can be a household thing that we just, when you get pregnant, you just go get your support registry, right? And so we built out the platform and we invited people in and people started using it. And we've had 26,000 plus dollars that instead of going to baby gifts have gone into the bank accounts of parents to spend on their support team. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's just like, the coolest thing in the world to watch unfold. And it's, it's very, very exciting Mm. to, to see this little seedling of an idea blossom into something that's being used by people right now and to like, see where we can go with it in the future. So this connected with me so much when we first got synced up, Caitlin, because we've already done a version of this in our lives. We just didn't know something like this could exist when we had Maya. But before that, we had something similar for our wedding. So for those who are trying to kind of um, contextualize this or see how it plays out, you know, when we got married, we had already been cohabitating for uh, quite a bit and we didn't need a toaster. I wanted people to pay for our honeymoon. So that's what we did. We had a specialized, just like what you're describing. We told people what we wanted and you could contribute to this part of our wedding fund. You could send us on, you know, an excursion on our honeymoon. You could, you know, help us pay for the flights and the hotels and things like that. So that's what that's what we did there. So for someone who's done something similar, or again, just to put it in another context, again, another space where entirely too much money is spent. Um, so that's an entire other conversation. And this one is even arguably more important, you know, the support of bringing a new human into the world versus, you know, having a fun party um, for your wedding. And so, so that's why on that level, it really resonated. And then on, on top of that, just again, it's, it's about access and, and access to that. That's where the real abundance is, is having access to the options. And that's been a theme throughout this whole conversation. It's just 
look at your options, explore your options. And the more options you have, the more supported you can feel, the more excited you can feel, the more confident you can feel in the choices that you make. And so what I love about this is it it puts power in the hands of the parents so that they can actually be getting the support that they ultimately desire. It can be funded in a really beautiful, loving way. The gifters can feel really great about contributing to something that's really going to serve them. And then practitioners and organizations and the doulas out there and the lactation consultants and the pelvic floor ther- therapists out there can you know, have exposure and, and have another world in which to connect with potential clients and be of service in the way that they ideally want to. Um, so I just, it's win, 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 you know, across the board. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for being so supportive of this. Um, we Honey Fund is exactly what we modeled our, our platform after. And specific to home birthers and people who are curious about home birth, access to money to pay your home birth midwife is one of the reasons so many people who want a home birth don't. Don't do it. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking. And I I'm excited. We have, you know, people that are getting funded right now for their home birth midwife locals here on Long Island. And it's just, it's the coolest thing to see that this platform, like they're not going to have a house full of stuff they don't need, you know, and this experience of giving birth in a hospital, they were able to pay the fees of the home birth midwives that are often not covered, or it's like this really difficult thing. It's, it's, that's probably a whole other podcast episode mm. <laughs> is like yeah. the current reimbursement for home birth midwives and the navigating the payment of it. And this is just like another tool for people to use to help, to help uh, tap into their own communities. And I, what I find really exciting about it too, is like, there is so much money in your own network. Yeah. There's so much money that people are so happy to give. I am floored by the amounts we have had, like literally yesterday, a $400 gift was funded. We have had entire $1,800 duelists funded by one person. Like Mm, there are people out there with the money to spend and, and money is just, I mean, it's like an uncomfortable topic, but it's really just a form of energy. It's a form of love, right? It's like, it's not about like, I need money. It's an exchange so that this feels good for us. And we are surrounded and we're so lucky, most of us, all of us, to have a network of people who love us deeply. And if we put it out there and we say, hey, I know this isn't the normal baby registry, but this is what I need. And I really appreciate you, you know, contributing to it. It's kind of incredible yeah. to see the response from the gift buyers. It, yeah. it makes me like know that we're onto something here, that mm-hmm. we're, we're really providing this tool for people to express their love in a way that's way more impactful than a bouncer or a stroller ever will be. Right, right. Yeah. And I think if gifters could just kind of get past that a little bit, like, no, you might not get the picture of like the baby in the cute onesie, but like mom is a more happy, like integrated well-being like a like person and is is you know together so to speak because of the the care that she's been able to get access to through you know um pre and postnatal and all of that like that's that's worth a lot more than like a picture of a cute baby and a cute onesie um it is worth so much more yeah yes. so i think uh i think this is something for those listening who are preparing for that registry you know something to look at for those who know others who are thinking about a registry to guide them in that direction and for the birth workers out there something to um, put themselves on but then also introduce to their clients and to their networks so that 
again, they can get the support they need and they can go to beHerVillage.com, correct? And beHerVillage on Instagram. Great. And then Instagram, Facebook, we have Facebook groups for uh, our community and for our uh, professionals. So we're here on, you know, on the platforms. And I'm also just available. Like if anyone wants to reach out to me, I answer my inbox. I'm just, I'm here, you know, like this is, we have a small team of moms working on this and we're not like backed by investors. We're just like, we're doing the work day in and day out to try and make the change in this grassroots way. So everybody that shares about us or goes to our website, it makes, it makes a really big difference, Mm -hmm. which is part of why I'm so grateful to be invited here with you guys and be able to have this conversation. It makes a big difference. Yeah. And you can check out doing it at home on Be Her Village as well. We're going to have some of our cool offerings and things there. So if you've wanted the book or you've wanted any of the online resources or you've wanted the cool swag and the cute onesies and stuff, like tell people to go buy it for you. (laughs) So, you know, there's that too. So I love that. Uh, Caitlin, how can people get in touch with you directly? Because you said that you want to make yourself available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's Caitlin, K-A-I-T-L-I-N at BeHerVillage.com. It's also hello at BeHerVillage.com goes to me too. So if you didn't catch that, just hello at BeHerVillage.com. Great. Awesome. Caitlin, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited for all of the things that are currently going on and all the great things to come. Um, you're awesome. I have a feeling we'll have more conversations like this in the future. <laughs> I hope so. This is so great. Thank you guys both. This is incredible what you've built and I'm so happy to be part of it. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>